Let's try a podcast. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready. Are you recording? I'm recording. I've oh been my recording God. this whole time, pretty much. Uh, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I've been listening. It is a Monster Manual podcast. This is the podcast where Wes and I talk about monsters from the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons Monster Manual, and we go through thing by thing, entry by entry, and we decode the things in it. We tell you... Uh, what are kind of behind the scenes of each monster? What is going on in your brain, uh, in folklore and mythology, where these things come from, and how you can mess around with them for fun and profit? Yeah, that's right? it. That's <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. I don't know. Certainly for fun, um, profit. Let's wait and see. <laughs> the yeah, we'll. Um, yeah, did we say our names? I'm Wes. I am Chris. And uh, and today's episode is the Cambian. That's right. Yeah, the Cambian is a devil man. Mm-hmm. It is the offspring of a fiend. Hey, yeah. wait. Sorry. Before yeah. we get into this, okay. Uh, last episode, I started last episode by saying I would like to talk about the etymology of the monsters names that we did before this entry right and then i did the bullet and yeah. i did the bugbear <laughs> yeah but i didn't talk about the bullywug which was actually <laughs> what the last episode was about yeah. right new segment last segment's <laughs> etymology <Yeah. laughs> right this is apparently what uh we're doing great so last episode we did the bullywug yeah and i looked up the etymology of bullywug so bully mm-hmm. comes from Probably the Middle High German or Middle Dutch, in both cases meaning uh, brother. Okay. Or possibly uh, in German, there's another variation that might be lover. So there's Buelle and Buhl. One means brother, one means lover. Okay. And it comes from the first instance is from the 1530s where it meant... Uh, a term of endearment applied to either sex. Okay. And like sweetheart. Right. Yeah. And then over the course of about a hundred years, it kind of changed and it started meaning something like fine fellow where it was just kind of like, instead of a specific term of endearment, it just kind of meant uh, like gentlemen, like, yeah, you just like, Hey, Hey guys. Yeah. It started becoming, it became even more neutral Yeah, in some speeches and writings of a uh, Teddy Roosevelt. When yeah. he's like praising somebody, he says bully to you. Right. Yeah. He says bully as right. like a, it means like, like uh, good job friends. Yeah. Worthy or jolly yeah. or yeah. admirable, like good work. Yeah. Good on you. Bully right. to you. I think right? that was his way of trying to be like an everyman. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was using an archaic piece of, <laughs> well, maybe from his when was he yeah. around um he was like he was like a turn of the century ish ish kind of guy right yeah it was yeah. actually it was around in um uh 19th century american english oh sweet okay well that makes sense then yeah i yeah. think it, i don't no one i don't think anyone in europe was using it around that time yeah it wasn't cool anymore yeah because by uh uh i think like the 17th century uh that's when it starts deteriorating right yeah and it turned into um it started meaning a protector of a prostitute so it started meaning pimp 
Okay. Because it was associated with sweetheart in like terms of endearment, yeah. but then also got this like it was like guy or dude, so it became like lover dude. Right. And then that just turned into it just somehow started getting like worse and worse for the word. Yeah. <laughs> and it became uh like pimp, which then started meaning like like a a, a mean person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. went on from there. Yeah. Uh, funny that that didn't happen to pimp. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of well, went the opposite the direction. Jury's still out on that. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Pimp started meaning really. Pimp was at the top of its game in like the two thousands. Yeah, in like right? the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. So it did. Yeah, it's all cyclical. It all comes around again. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know why Roosevelt said mm. bully. A modern day <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt would have said pimp. <laughs> yeah. maybe the next the next prez yeah addressing addressing the people what up pimp yeah. pimp this yeah. wall <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then uh wug i think that's like to be like bully wug like polywog sort of thing that's like a uh well wug, word i don't the know the word wug yeah actually is meaningless okay. by itself i don't think uh I know you could look up wog right yeah, now, yeah. but I don't think so. But wug, you know, wug, I wug, you wug, <laughs> they wug. Well, it's funny you use wug-ology. it like that because the one, the one case of wug actually meaning something yeah. was in a 1958 uh, test mm-hmm. used on children. This makes that made it sound way more menacing than it actually was. <laughs> it was just uh, like a written test that this researcher, whose name I forgot to write down, her first name was uh, Jean. I don't remember the rest of it, but Jean wrote a test mm-hmm. to find out if children could understand how uh, like grammar worked. Okay, on a on a like formulaic basis, on like a ground level thing, <clears throat> instead of just learning by rote that the plural of cup was cups or something. Right. Um, if they could realize that like how to pluralize anything or how to turn anything into past tense. Oh, okay. So they'd be given um, a made up word or yeah. like, with pictures and be like, yeah. this is a wug. And it was this made up creature. Yeah. And then it was like, now there are two wug. Like now there's another one. Mm-hmm. There are two blank and you mm-hmm. would fill in wugs. Okay. Because it's a word they've never seen before. So they wouldn't have been able to uh, memorize that the plural form of it is with an S. Right. So instead of just memorizing all these plural forms of things, you just learn how to... Okay. You learn how to make a plural uh, Falls word. apart fast with English, though. That's the thing. Is yeah. I, I looked through more yeah. parts of the test. And one of the things was, uh, uh, th- here is a dog. The dog has quats. Or has has a has many quats on its uh, coat. Yeah, <laughs> it is a blank dog, and what it wanted you to say was quatsy. It's a quatsy dog. It's a quatsy yeah. dog, right? Yeah. But what if it's spots? Quatly dog. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about you, Case. <laughs> yeah. Case is a quatly dog for sure. Yeah. But yeah, but it was a, it was I I think anyways that that one line in particular was was wrong. Yeah, because Quatsy, you don't, you don't, you don't say it's a spotsy dog. Yeah, you don't. Or spotty what? dog. Yeah, right. I yeah, mean, I you could, but it's wrong. You say spotted. So you're right. It falls apart. English tears apart its own rules all the time. Mm-hmm. And this test, while interesting, kind of. Yeah. 
uh, bad job, Gene. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason we didn't learn how to administer that test when I was learning <laughs> to become an educational assistant. 1950s were a yeah. heady time. Also, you usually just say a dog has spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough. Well, they're not trying to socialize you yeah. to speaking That's normal. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's um, get back to the subject at hand. The Cambian. Um, Cambian. Uh, should we just do the Cambian etymology right away? Or should yes. we wait? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I did I did get that down somewhere. Okay. Let's see here. Um, so, yeah. So far, you know it's a demon or an offspring of a demon. Yeah, a which fiend. is, uh, it's kind of important to the name. Yeah. Uh, Cambian is possibly from, oh, yeah, here's here's the first uh cambian child of demons mm-hmm. an incubus could unite with a succubus and that born of their exchange were hideous children which are called cambians and the word appeared in the early first century ad inscriptions in gaul discovered by or an a- analyzed by a linguist named benjamin w forston the fourth okay and he said that Cambian is from the Celtic root cam or crooked, also referring to the back and forth motion and exchange. It's ultimately the source for English change via the late Latin cambiar, a borrowing from Celtic. So uh, it's probable that the word is a cognate for changeling. Oh, neat. Yeah. So, it's a variation on changeling coming yeah. from a different uh, linguistic branch. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason there are many companies you see called Cambian with an A. This is with an O. Right. Cambion. Yeah. Cambian. Cambian with an A uh, kind of means the same thing. It means like exchange or trade. Right. Okay. And so lots of like soft skill companies, IT companies, um, call themselves Cambian. Do you think they know (laughs) that it also has fiendish associations? (laughs) I don't think they know about that part. Yeah. You know what I thought up until rereading this passage to do this? Well, up into like looking through the monster manual a bit. Um, to see what the next bunch of episodes were. In my head, I wasn't reading it very carefully, and I I, I thought it was Cambrian, so the same oh. as the Cambrian period and the Cambrian explosion, and I had this rationalization of my head. I was like, okay, well, there are like ages and epochs and eras, and I think it's the Cam, Cam, Cambrian uh, period, and that's another one, but there was an age. It was the Hadean age, or maybe it was a period. I don't know which one is which right now. I don't have my geologic time don't at me. fact straight, but there's one called the Hadean uh, uh, period, I think, and that's basically when Earth was all volcanoes and, like, it was, like, it's because it, like, Hades. It was, like, it was, yeah. everything looked like hell, right? And then I thought that um, there was some association with, like, Cambrian, because that's when the first when 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 predation happened with animals and that's when you got like giant sea scorpions and the first animals started eating other animals and there's a gigant the, the there's an explosion of like life called the cambrian explosion where suddenly there's tons and tons of fossils and i thought there's something like okay this is like super super old um prehistoric so much before 
like Christianity that it's, it's, it's before people and everything. So this is like far. It's, there's something demonic about these alien creatures that right. used to live on Earth and like the Hadean period and then the Cambrian period is like the Hadean period with these demons in the water. And this is a whole weird yeah, like yeah. Christian demonology um, naming convention of like prehistory thing that is in my head was like scientists being clever. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then Cambrian somehow came from the same thing, but it's not as Cambrian. <laughs> it's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like that made up explanation. <laughs> yeah. Primeval evil. Yeah. You know, like where, where, uh, where, um, what are they? What are they? The, the, uh, the, uh, the fish squid monsters from the, the second episode. What are those the called again? Ableth. Yeah. Like what Ableths are from. Yeah. Except these yeah. are like more Christian influenced. Yeah. Uh, Satan. Yeah. Folk. Yeah, exactly. These are definitely Satan folk. So a cambion is the offspring of a fiend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Offspring oh, of a fiend, yeah, yeah. usually a succubus or incubus, mm-hmm. who are the two sexiest yeah. demons. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's kind of their whole job. Yep. And uh, a humanoid, usually a human, for whatever reason. And they get aspects of both parents, so they look like a person with scary devil bat wings and a scary devil tail. They are, and I quote, born to be bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They grow into ruthless adults no matter the devotion shown by mortal parents. And even as youth, they identify as rightful overlords of mortals and gather gangs to serve it. Which is amazing uh, because they, like, imagine... So the the image is of a, a scowling, fully armored... Uh, Cambian man in his yeah. in his prime. Yeah, doing like a like a Billy Idol scowl. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. Uh, but imagine if he was like four years old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which would be great. I love the idea of like yeah. a, I've always been partial to child gangs. Yeah, myself, and I think it would make a great villain to have one of them be like a literal Satan. Yeah, just like a, a totally baby. Baby devil, just like a like an eight year old horned monster. Yeah, who has like a Napoleon complex. Who's yeah. like thinks he's the true overlord, even mm-hmm. though he's the only four and can't do much. Yeah, but he'll prick you. <laughs> he'll still get you good. I'd imagine like even like they're still getting bullied by like bigger kids, and so they're just lording over like a couple of ant hills they found. Yeah, and some exactly. Potato bugs that they're the the sovereign and rightful king of. Yeah, because then that's that's. I think that actually kind of gets to the heart of what the Cambian can be as well, yeah. because um, they seek lordship over everything, yeah. but they're constantly yeah. overshadowed by their 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 makers. Yeah. So that kind of makes them a uh, a a sympathetic villain. Yeah, possibly if you play it that way, that they're like. They want to have their own thing, but they can never get out from under the yoke of yeah. of what made them. Like the people who wind up being monsters just because their dad was worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And there's there are uh, that's a certainly an archetype. Yeah, um, that you see a lot. Um, the half, the 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 person who struggles with their inherited nature. Yeah, you see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, but we can get we'll we'll talk about that later after we've unpacked what they are. Yeah, well that for leads the into listening. the next sort of like bolded point here. Mm-hmm. They are pawns of the mighty. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they're found serving fiends of the abyss and the nine hells, which are chaotic evil and chaotic lawful, respectively. So they they serve these lawful people. Lawful I think. What did I say? Chaotic lawful. Chaotic lawful. <laughs> yeah. Not a thing. But uh, just close down your email. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, put it down. <laughs> chaotic evil and lawful evil, respectively. And they, but all the time they're seeking their own power. So they're serving others. Yeah. They're serving the true fiends fighting their wars because the devils and the demons are f- constantly fighting each other. Yeah. And jostling for power against each other and within their own ranks. So these guys are fighting for them, but the whole time they're trying to maneuver themselves to get their own power. Classic evil guy stuff, classic Sith uh, thing. Yeah. Constantly trying to overpower your own master. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, gets into a more specific uh, guy named Grazd, who is a demon. He's a demon lord. He is, quote, fond of procreating. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a nice way of saying he, he you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, procreating with humanoids who have made pacts with fiends. Right. Specifically. Um, and he has sired many Cambians who help him sow chaos across the multiverse. Yeah. And then they have special colors. Yeah. These Cambians are characterized by charcoal black skin, cloven hooves, six-fingered hands, and unearthly beauty. Mm. So yeah. different than the one in the picture. Because this one is red. Yeah. With, like, cool early 2000s tribal tattoos yeah. on his arms. <laughs> totally. Tattoos that you would have seen on George Clooney in From Dust Till Dawn that I really wanted when I was oh, a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. I, I thought for sure when I turned 19 or whatever, I was yeah. going to get the George Clooney uh, tribal tattoos. Yeah. that makes Those are the tattoos you get if you play bass in a new metal band. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. That, that al- I was almost it. me. If I was better at bass, that might have actually been. <laughs> it just, yeah. If I was more, more musically inclined, I probably would have gone for it. <laughs> Tattoos just show up on your arms when you start playing bass. I imagine. Yeah. I don't know how else they get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's the rundown. It's a pretty short and uh, it's pretty concise, I think. Yeah. Like, they've really... I think they've, they've, they've narrowed it down to what this creature is. What it doesn't tell you is how um, they'd work in a, in a fight... And how they'd mix with other things, because when you look at the the stat block, mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch of numbers, so I won't go into it too much. But they have like a fairly high armor class because they add the charisma modifier. Yeah, which it tells you right in the thing. Yeah. Um, so it has a high armor class for its challenge rating. It has a fly speed of sixty feet, which is yeah. crazy. It has really high stats. Uh, ult attributes are really high. It has really high saving throws. It has many skills. It has a ton of resistances. Yeah. 60 feet dark vision. Um, but it doesn't do a lot of damage. It has uh, innate spell casting. It can cast alter self, command, detect magic, and plane shift. Yeah. Which means it can really mess up what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can hide itself really well, and it can it can retreat really easily. Yeah, and it has multi attack, so we can use its spear or throw it. 
but it doesn't do a ton of damage, and it has fire rays it can shoot, which does a little more damage and doesn't rely on having a spear, so it can just do yeah. that. They can do that from super far away, too. Yes, 120 feet, so it can just yeah. hit you from a distance. And it has a fiendish charm, so anybody it can see within 30 feet has to make a wisdom saving throw or be charmed for a whole day. One whole Whoa, day. That's pretty hardcore. Yes, and yeah. what's more hardcore is that it's not just the, the charm spell or yeah. like other creatures that have uh, charm abilities. This yeah. is a slightly different variation where um, if you take, if you're charmed and you take any damage yeah. or it tells you to do, the Cambion tells you to do something yeah. that is suicidal, yeah. you get to make a check. And if, oh, you make, if you make the save, then you are no longer under its uh, control. But yeah. if you fail, you actually have to do it. And that is different than other charm abilities. Yeah. Because charm just makes you affable. Yeah. Or friendly towards the the creature. It doesn't mean you're going to follow its orders. It just means you're going to take its suggestions. Yeah. So if it gives you a suicidal command, you straight up don't have to do it. Yeah. Same thing as if you're a friend. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get uh, a hit, then I think it just automatically breaks. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Other, Other charm spells. I think so. But this, you just get a check. Yeah. You might fail it. Yeah. So you it, you, it could kill you in two checks. One to charm you the first time, and the second one to tell you to kill yourself. Yeah. It could totally do that. In two moves. Yeah. Uh, and so then, depending on your wisdom saving, yeah. depending on your wisdom, this might be a problem for you. So I don't, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any other uh, monster that has that. There's a couple that have like the death effects, but... This is like somehow to me more deadly than that, and it like it, it really puts the idea in your head to like use it to make the charmed person suicidal. Oh, totally! It says that right in there, right? Yeah. So like in and and because um, Cambians are they're they're pretty smart, they're pretty wily, and they uh, they themselves aren't going to do something suicidal because they need to be alive to be in charge of everything in the end. Yeah. Um, you can play them really <laughs> smart, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, which is kind of fun when you get to play like a very intelligent monster. <laughs> yeah, when you get to actually, yeah. uh, if you're role playing well, you should make yeah. the monsters follow their own codes, their yeah. own programmed paths, and yeah. make their own priorities when they're making decisions. Yeah, uh, getting in the head of the monster, and it's great when you can actually play as tactically as the as the players. Yeah, um, within the rules of the world you've created. Totally, so Cambion. Like, could uh, could charm the least wise person into killing themselves and then fly 60 feet in the air and shoot fire rays down at everybody. Right. Exactly. Or some variation of that. Yeah. Like you could do all kinds of things because it also has the command. It can three a day, uh, the spell command, which is yeah. like not as devastating as the fiendish charm because I don't think you can use command to make suicidal commands. Yeah. Um, but you can still get them to do things that will mess up the the players. Yeah. So throw your swords into that river. Yeah, throw the swords in the river. Uh, be a human. I don't, think, I don't know about a human shield thing, but like you just run away or like climb this yeah. pole or something. Yeah, or like totally. Any of these things. <laughs> uh, take a hike. Take a <laughs> <laughs> the four-year-old Cambian. Yeah. Get lost. <laughs> Eat a duty. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. A little tiny Cambion that can actually make people do what he wants. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
I keep going back to the child gang thing. Well, once again, they really put that idea in your head with what they've written here. Because they say that even the kids are Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I think that... uh, I think that might get back to um, specific films are eluding me, but there's like, uh, there's an archetype of the problem child. Yeah. Who has like an uncertain origin or like, uh, it all goes back to like the idea of the changeling and the fairy yeah, folk yeah. and the, 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 the taking of, um, honest, hardworking people's children and being replaced by, uh, quicklings or, or yeah. fairies, which is like, there's lots of debate about what that all meant yeah and why it was like that um one of the theories that like i'm kind of willing to believe is that that's how people explained children with autism or down syndrome yeah things like that before we had like the tools to sort of understand before we knew what the hell was going on things like that yeah yeah Yeah. and um, i imagine a fairly common thing in um the pre-modern world that would have gone like totally undiagnosed and recognized was fetal alcohol syndrome oh man yeah right so this is probably there was the, that would have been all over the place, right? So, do you know what a moon calf yeah. is? A moon calf, no. A moon calf was a, a general term used to describe uh, mi- miscarriages. Yeah, um, it would happen a lot with livestock because yeah. livestock uh, are giving birth at a rate much higher than humans. So you you are right as a as a peasant as a man of of the land, you are encountering more yeah. animal births than you are human births yeah. usually yeah so moon calf is a term used to describe uh, miscarriages and you call them that because you are attributing their malformation to sinister other things yeah in this case uh the moon like the moon wasn't right right the yeah. evil aspects of the moon affected it uh so it's a yeah. moon calf so there's nothing you can do yeah it was just like a, a hand waving yeah totally thing but like i mean that's the world that we everybody lived in at the time was the moon. The, the, those were the explanations for things. The moon because, did it. Yeah, the moon did it. There was. I was reading a book that suggested, um, and take my word on it, it was a book. Okay. <laughs> Whose name I can't remember or on author paper? I can't remember. It was on paper. Whoa. Um, I will check my sources one day. <laughs> but I was reading a book, and it had evidence to suggest, or pointed to evidence that suggested that Although uh, the, the the changeling narrative, the fairies took my baby and replaced mm-hmm. it with this this creature yeah. um, narrative, although it was used and thrown around a bunch, it wasn't truly believed by people. Right. But what it was, what it did do was let people um, kind of bury their guilt about doing things like taking their like weird child, their problem child yeah. that belongs to the fairies and putting it back in the field and walking away. Yeah. Because it belonged to them. Right. And you just walk away and, like, clean your hands of it and move on with your life. Yeah. So the... That uh, seems like the most likely explanation to Right, because people, yeah. people are dumb, but we're also not that dumb all the time. Yeah. Right? Like, we use stories and myths and, and things to trick ourselves yeah. all the time. And yeah. I could see that being the case. With yeah, that. that that sounds to me like that's a really good classic. That 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 should be the ba- the 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 standard example of like a Sartre's bad faith. Uh, Go on. Surprisingly, <laughs> a philosophy comes up in this podcast. So Jean-Paul Sartre, French um, philosopher, 
um, uh, and, and and one of the most important existentialists had this uh, concept called bad faith, where um, there is because because in existentialism you don't nobody has an essence. There's no there's no like thing that humans were designed to do. You have to right. figure out what you are going to do sure. and create your own meaning. In a nutshell, bad faith is when you trick yourself into believing that you have an essence that you don't have. So bad, uh, the regular textbook examples are like the uh, uh, a server, like a waiter who believes that they're not they're not just playing the role of being a server when they're at work. They believe that that's what they really are. Oh, okay. Right? And um, so it's kind of when you like lie to yourself to say that some aspects of your behavior are. Uh, intrinsic to you and right. like not not choices that you made and then yeah. or, or like aggregate choices that build on themselves over time and so the kind of thing we're like oh uh, yeah no that was like a demon baby so i brought it into the woods and like you tell yourself that enough that you believe it and everyone around you exactly. nobody acknowledges that everybody knows that this isn't a real thing and then the other really good example of bad faith is um it's in a jean-paul sartre book uh um, i think it's called I think it's called Jew and Anti-Semite, but it's basically Sartre like ripping <laughs> it's into something anti-Semites. Something a great buddy comedy. It's a good one. And he has this <laughs> line where he's like, don't ever take like for a second, make the mistake that like anti-Semites. And you could, you could expand this like bigots of all kind. Like don't totally know that all of their points are stupid and they're full of shit <laughs> um, because they know they're, they, they know that they know that they're acting in bad faith and they know that they're making ridiculous points. They know their arguments don't hold up and they're trying to, they they they've just taken this role and gone way too far with it. Right. Going far with it at all is bad, but they've gone all the way, right? So it's almost like idea, being uh, yeah. like pot committed. Yeah, yeah. You've put so much. You've put x amount of energy and work and time into doing something yeah. that to pull out now yeah. is actually more costly. Yeah. Than going further. Yeah, it's like a sunk cost fallacy, yeah. but in terms of like your values as a human being and your belief <laughs> systems, right? And it's like refusing to take that second to like stop and think about what you've done yeah. and who your choices have made you to be. And it's just like, no, no, I'm this is this is all what was supposed to happen and it was the right thing to do. Right. And that's a that's a good way out of feeling bad about things you know were wrong. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's I think where that that's totally how you could see like a small community thinking about Small, like pre, like medieval or pre-medieval community yeah. thinking about yeah, this kind of stuff. Totally, is just like, yep, that's what happened. Keep going. Don't look at it. This mm-hmm. is what we do. This is what happens. Yeah, you totally. Know what's funny. Uh, also, what, what you were just saying made me think of is uh, 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 cooks, chefs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, disproportionate number of cooks and chefs mm-hmm. get like knife tattoos. Right. Then other professions get tattoos of their tools of the trade. Yeah. And I think it's because cooks are like one step out of going to jail for whatever. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, they're uh, generally a transient group of people who yeah. bounce from job to job. Uh, smoking and drinking, chain the smoking, whole way. working insanely hard and not sleeping, and then like burning out and doing something different for exactly. a bit, and then coming back to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and for some reason, lots of people get uh, tattoos of it to remind themselves of their identity. Yeah, I worked really closely with a guy when I was I worked as a cook for a tree planting camp, and yeah. uh, I worked um, with a guy who went to like I never went to school for cooking. I just kind of did it. Yeah. And uh, this guy went to school. Yeah. And he was like, 
he had less experience than me, but he had more experience in like higher end places where there's an actual, I've never done the like, yes, chef, uh, uh, hierarchy thing. Yeah. I've just uh, done other stuff, but he actually went through that whole like boot camp, right. Military ranking hierarchy thing. Yeah. And like it, like, I think it, it, damaged him because he couldn't like he couldn't think outside of that world and he had like a couple like cook tattoos yeah. and he was like all in it but it made him really rigid in how he approached things he, yeah like i think it's a perfect example of what was it bad 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 faith. faith yeah because yeah he just couldn't get outside of his own he couldn't pull out of this persona totally. or this like mindset and see the situation for what it was yeah yeah i mean and like there's nothing wrong with taking pride in whatever work you do but that's, no, that's also not. yeah yeah but there's, there's, but there's there's a thing there's and a thing. There's, yeah. I would say there's nothing like I have a goddamn yeah. D&D tattoo but yeah. uh uh but I have one foot in and one foot out like I know it's ridiculous and it's silly but I'm yeah. not going to like introduce myself as the D&D guy yeah. to everyone I meet although it inevitably happens mm-hmm. if yeah. you talk to me long enough but yeah. I mean I don't open with that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like outside of the realm of possibility for me to have like a synthesizer tattoo. Sure. Right? But I'm, I'm not saying like fate has ordained for me to become exactly. a synthesis. Yeah. And, I went to, I went to yeah. film school and lots of people in their first year, first mm-hmm. year or two got like film tattoos. Yeah. And I was like, you're 20 years old. What do you like? What do mm-hmm. you, now you have to do this. Like, <laughs> you have no choice. You have no choice now. Yeah, because it's either, that's either like, yeah, I have this tattoo because this is what I do, or it's going to be like a permanent reminder of, of your failures. Yeah. There's a guy, there's a guy I know that got, he had a, he had a huge typewriter tattoo mm. on his chest. Yeah. His chest. <laughs> where his heart lives. Yeah. <laughs> Man. He better be writing every moment of his life to justify having that tattoo or he's gonna look yeah. at himself in the mirror and just like and, and like and die yeah maybe that's what the tattoo is for is to motivate it could be him. yeah it could now be i have a, to live up to this tattoo yeah yeah that's one that's one way of looking yeah. at it and i hope that's true because mm. otherwise it's just sadness yeah i mean the, well, maybe he's working i haven't yeah. i haven't talked to him in a while but mm. maybe it worked out for him i don't know yeah. i'm not sure i bet a lot of cambians have a tyrannical King oh, they've tattoos. got the, but look at the. He's <laughs> yeah, got the best tattoos. He already yeah, does. He's got tattoos. Yeah, he got these tattoos. Like, like you know what? I'm going to be a badass. Who yeah, tells he watched what from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> yeah, he watched it. He's a big fan of Mudvayne. Yeah, and Corn. Oh yeah, for sure. It is definitely an angsty photo. photo. Actually, Mudvayne is the perfect. That's this. <laughs> the campaign is super <laughs> Mudvayne looking. Yeah, he's a little too slick for Mudvayne. Mudvayne has had more like bio. They had more like weird things coming yeah. out of them. This is more straight up fantasy yeah. medieval. Yeah. Well, there's a, I don't know. What's that one video where they're just like in an empty white room? That's the only one I know. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I know. I forget the name of it. That might have been the only thing Mudbane did. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that, maybe can, I bet there are bands that just made one sweet video and yeah. tricked everybody into thinking there were anything outside. You can of make that. a whole career off that. Yeah, totally. Many of them did. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what metal band. This this would fit in with, hmm. it's 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 almost the scowling and the simple posture. Yeah, um, it reminds me more of like a Norwegian black metal yeah pose, but the 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 colors and the design isn't quite black metal. Yeah, if, if this was a black and white like woodcut and the Cambian was standing in a forest, yeah, 
Um, and there were some more nails sticking out of his, yeah. his, his, uh, his uh, um, you know, arm guards. His, yeah. Whatever longer, those are. Longer spikes, his gauntlets, yeah. uh, his wrist guards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but not, yeah. They never really messed with wings. They never really the messed with wings, yeah. It was, it was too much, of, not enough, not a lot of cosplay. They would definitely like... Yeah cake on the makeup but they wouldn't like yeah. put on prosthetics but like too much prosthetics would sort of like ruin the whole like this isn't entertainment this isn't music philosophy that yeah. like hardcore black metal yeah, yeah. has you know it's yeah so this is just kind of a more watered down power yeah. metal thing yeah um certainly the tattoos i think what everything we were just talking about um the bad faith yeah what is the bad faith fallacy bad faith that's just called bad faith Bad faith yeah starter's bad faith yeah uh, I think that could be a really good starting point for fleshing out a Cambian villain. Yeah. Because when you have a character, and this is the archetype of the Cambian, is uh, it's a it's a demi-human. This is it's kind of yeah. like the flip side of like a demigod, like Hercules or something. Yeah, totally. Where it's like descended from a, a god. This is descended from a devil. Yeah. Um, although Hercules, like. Zeus is kind of a shithead. Yeah. So he's not necessarily like the, the good God. <laughs> yeah. Um, not if he keeps turning into swans like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, it's kind of, it's kind of the flip side. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite like a reverse Jesus because that's a bigger deal. The antichrist is like a singular. Yeah. Um, big deal thing. This is yeah. just kind of like, there's a couple of Cambians kicking around the multiverse. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch. Yeah. Grazit loves uh, knocking up people. Yeah. And making them go around everywhere. Um, but yeah, having having a, a choice, having something have an evil nature that it maybe has to contend with and maybe like isn't actually in in their heart is a bad person or a bad Cambian. Yeah. But they've just slid down this slide for so long that they think it's part of they think it's part of themselves. Yeah, totally. And it makes for a possibly tragic villain if if you're able to flesh out that kind of level of narrative. I find it really hard to make narrative work in the game. Yeah, it can be pretty hard. It it can be particularly hard to like humanize the villains too because yeah. often there's not like a whole lot of interaction with them until right at the end unless it, unless it's coming down to a fight yeah you totally usually don't deal with them directly yeah. yeah even when there's tons of opportunity for it like it's uh, i had uh we i uh, we we played uh chris and i curse of strahd a while ago and i had strahd von zarevich of course is the villain of that he's one of the easiest villains to to sure. to, 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 to to kind of flesh out a bit yeah and even i had trouble with that a bit so yeah yeah. There's lots of things you can learn about them. Yeah. But they, it is really tough to have them show up and not it just turn into a fight. Yeah, totally. So to learn things and to like learn the psychology, you can insert the idea, but it's really hard, I think, to really feel it Yeah, as a player mm-hmm. or as a character in the game. Uh, yeah. But it is a good starting point, at least to put you in the mind as running the game. Yeah. Because I find I, I like inserting things. I like having things. Excuse me. I like having things in the game that I'm pretty sure no one's ever going to find out or know, but that I know, and it helps yeah. me make decisions and improvise in the game because I have a firmer understanding of what's going on yeah. in the world. Yeah. Even though it might never 
that detail might not show up. Yeah, I would give motives and beliefs to a lot of the NPCs that I would have yeah. so that I would know what they secretly were afraid of and what they secretly wanted to accomplish Right. Um, when they were having conversations with people so that if something kind of hinted at one of those things and I could sort of use that a little bit to motivate the role play. But yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. It's kind of like playing little mini characters, a lot of them in yeah. a row. Yeah, it yeah. helps. Like, and I find I think you and I share this. Where like I would probably be doing that anyways. If, yeah. If I weren't playing D anD D. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hundred <laughs> percent. So it helps to yeah. love that kind of thing. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, I want to talk about uh, one of the one of the books that we get the idea of the Cambion from. Yeah. So I mentioned. Where is where's my notes here? So yeah, we had. Yeah, here we go. There's a book called... Excuse me for one second. My book written... Mal- yeah, so... Book written in the late 1400s called Malleus Maleficarum. Correct my pronunciation, I dare you. <laughs> And it's uh, generally, so the whole, I'm going to bit of bad Latin. Malleus Maleficarum, Malficus in Irum Herissim ut Formia Potentimia Conterens, which is generally translated into English as the hammer of witches, <laughs> which destroyeth witches and their heresy as with a two-edged sword. So that's the name of the book. <laughs> that's the name of the book? <laughs> Man, ju- what happened yeah. to book names? It's just generally yeah. it's generally shortened to uh, Malleus Maleficarum, which is the Hammer of Witches. Yeah. But I love, there's a lot about that title I like. Um, it's really long. It's the Hammer of Witches, which is amazing. But it also, it, so it's the Hammer of Witches referring mm-hmm. to itself. But it's the Hammer of Witches, which destroyeth witches and their heresy as with a two-edged sword. So it also gets the idea of a two-edged sword. Maybe what a two-edged sword meant in the late 1400s is different than it means now, but a two-edged sword now means one that you use to hit your enemy and it hits you. Yeah. You hurt both sides. Yeah. This just means it hits two things. Oh, yeah. At the same time. (laughs) It hits witches and their heresy. Like a two-edged sword would hit, would cut. At the right. same time. Yeah. <laughs> not me. Witch Hammer. Hammer of Witches. So it was written by a guy named Heinrich Kramer. Mm-hmm. He was a discredited Catholic clergyman. Okay. So good start. Yeah. Uh, here's the, here's what was going <laughs> on at the time. kicked him out because he kept talking about witch hammers. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I'm going to run down a bit of uh, the, the Wikipedia here. Okay. Uh and there is a direct re- correlation to something in the awesome. in the, the book here. Awesome. And we'll get to it. Uh, magical acts and witchcraft had long been forbidden by the church, whose attitude towards witchcraft was explained um, in a book written in about 900 AD. Mm-hmm. And uh, the attitudes were, were kind of interesting because they, they included witchcraft and magic. Um, it, 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 it acknowledged that these things were happening, that people were getting into witchcraft and magic. Yeah. But the official stance was that it wasn't real or effective. 
what it was was that demons were getting into people's heads yeah and telling them that they could use black magic to do things oh okay but it wouldn't work so the magic wouldn't work, but it was evidence of demons. They were they were being possessed yeah. by things or being told by things or they were collaborating with otherworldly yeah. beings to do things, but their yeah. magic had no effect on the world. Yeah. It was a lie told by the demons. Okay. So that was like that was with the official stance. Okay. That seems like a pretty effective way of uh, making sure for multiple reasons that people don't get more involved with it. It's a great it's yeah, great. Totally. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, it doesn't even work. It doesn't also, work. it's just demons. Yeah, you're just playing it. You're yeah. just all they all they want is to corrupt you. Yeah, and it doesn't have to work f- mm-hmm. for it to corrupt you. You just have to think it works, and then they've got you, right? <laughs> Which work? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly as you say. It, it benefits yeah. the church yeah. immensely because yeah. it deters people from wanting to do it if they tell people yeah. it doesn't work. Anyways, give right. us some money so your loved ones can <laughs> go into heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so then, um. The things kind of changed, yeah. Because they they did allow for the idea of ordeals. People underwent ordeals, which right. were like trials, which were like mental torments by yeah. by demons and things. Yeah, yeah. they had to survive. Saints go through that all the time. Right. So, did so Jesus. they had to acknowledge yeah, that, right? Totally. And then bec- through that line of of thinking, yeah. this rule, mm-hmm. uh, this guy. Heinrich Kramer kind of took that idea and twisted it to mean that because people have interactions with demons and that they're affected by it, yeah, they could um, affect themselves to their benefit through their contact with demons. Oh, so he kind okay. of came up with this idea um, sort of on his own, though. So what happened was... He uh, he made one of the first attempts to prosecute a witch, yeah, in, a, in an actual court, which wasn't a thing that happened generally before that time. Um, it was not a, it was not successful, and he was called by the local bishop senile and crazy. Those those are quotes, <laughs> probably yeah. translated from whatever yeah uh, he would have used because um, I think it was in Germany. Um, but he was expelled from the city and like he was exiled mm-hmm. and he was like uh, denied by the church because he was so crazy yeah. during this trial. And it was probably because he was so focused on the sexual uh, behavior of the accused and he was getting right. into all these like, like drilling into these details yeah. and making all these weird claims about the details of, of the woman's sex yeah. life that even people in like the 1400s were like, this guy's a little too. He's not. He's not doing it for the reasons we want him doing. doing yeah. Uh, kind of like how I guess Freud was like. Possibly, people. One of his critics was like. So a bunch of his critics were yeah. thinking that Freud was too much interested in the sexual yeah. lives of his mm-hmm. his mostly female like research subjects. He was also like prescribing cocaine to himself and his subjects, and so like getting having Freud as your therapist was just like sitting on a couch with somebody doing cocaine and be like, "Oh my God, it was your dad." <laughs> Dad, you know, which I think was probably actually really effective <laughs> in some cases. And like all of Sigmund Freud's work is just like a, a one person's like coke thing. Sure, yeah, why not? The, which is the, fine. But the yeah. talks I have when I'm on drugs are like, yeah, uh, mind blowing at yeah. the time. Anyways, yeah. Um, so, but this guy, so this guy, he did this, 
he got uh, expelled from the city and excommunicated. Um, actually, sorry, I don't know if he was fully excommunicated, but I know yeah. he was expelled, um, and he was like not taken seriously by anyone else in the church. Yeah. Um, but then he wrote this book, Hammer of Witches, mm-hmm. and interestingly, the Inquisitors hated the book, didn't like it, yeah, wanted nothing to do with it, didn't let him circulate it among the church. But for somehow he uh, he got it out there. He made many copies of it. He had it translated into several languages. Yeah. What year is this? When was this? Um, it, he he got expelled from the city in 1484. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, so it wasn't like Lulu or Kickstarter where he like had yeah. a million copies out there in, in a little bit. He had like yeah. some copies, but yeah. people in the know knew about it because uh, the the population is so low. The people making books are talking to each other all the time because yeah. there aren't many of them. So these books got out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of the courts were changing. They're becoming secular because we're getting into, uh, um, as time went on after he died, we're getting into um, the the a different period. Yeah. Right? Coming out of the Dark Age, um, secular courts... Yeah, but witchcraft still a problem mm-hmm. or perceived to be a problem even in places where the courts are secular. Yeah. Secular courts don't want to talk to the inquisitors or the church. But they have to deal with witches. Oh. So they get their hands on this guy's book. <laughs> 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 and this guy's book which the inquisitors didn't want to use because it was batshit even yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, used it as the manual to deal with the witches. <laughs> and this manual was like the worst of Western misogynistic uh, religious practices. Yeah. It contained the idea, which uh, turned up earlier, but really like made it forefront in the book that, so all the world is duality, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, uh, man and the divine, uh, heaven and hell, Everything has its positive and its negative. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But also, which was a very early Western idea, is like, you don't need both the positive and the negative. You want the positive only if you can get it. Yeah, totally. And the negative is to be cut off and thrown away. Right? Yeah. So, human race, man and female. Guess which one is positive and negative. Right? Yeah. So, 75% of the the people who tried as witches are women yeah. because in the book, and I don't think I have the quote, but it was like, uh, like, well, yes, this makes sense because women are the like more baser part of humanity and they are more prone to like moral wandering. Right. And are just weaker and like, uh, uh, all this stuff. So it's like just damning women. And then also really interested in the sexual practices of women and how they like, <laughs> Uh, relate to like which kind of demon are they talking to uh and this gets into spawn of grazd the demon lord fond of procreating with humanoids who have made packs with fiends so this was a thing this seems kind of like a, a, a kind of throwaway detail but it's not just that he has he procreates with humanoids yeah he procreates with humanoids that have made packs with fiends so this was a line that kind of damned a lot of people in the real world 
was that they were acting weird because they chose to make packs with devils and often have sex with them and have like witch blood orgies. Yeah. Um, because they let themselves, because they signed contracts with other people. Okay, right. Not just that the demons were coming and taking them. Yeah. Which was, at the time, was like a weird thing. Witches before this were people that could um, invoke the power of the divine for their own uses. Yeah. And it could be as simple as like somebody who has like a lot of knowledge of like herbal medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They just had power over the earth yeah at, which sounds great but it could just be like what you said which yeah. is just like they knew how to use herbs yeah uh but this book changed that definition explicitly and this is one of the things i think that the the catholic church at the time didn't it was like there's a lot of points in this book that uh, were uh, not in line with the church which yeah. is why they banned it but one of them was that the the witches actually made pacts right and so this, the reason that the Inquisition in the Catholic Church like didn't like this book is because it seemed to put some ha- power into the hands of the witches that they were prosecuting. I with, think, right? Yeah, I'm not like because uh, these were actual pacts and not like it was. It turned the the witch you? was turned into a sock puppet for the devil because oh, they okay. signed a contract and let the devil in, and then they were I see. just like yeah. they were no longer in control. Yeah. So if anything, it actually like d- diminished the humanity of the person right because they were no longer they were just now like they're just shells that okay were full that's of, not a that's not that's not really a human there right it's like it's a demon right yeah right so it's, it's like when your friend is a zombie it's not your friend it's just anymore. like when your friend is a zombie yeah <laughs> yeah you can't treat him like your friend anymore mm-hmm. right? except it's a person telling you that they're a person <laughs> yes yeah. exactly exactly yeah is this is that book where all of the completely bonkers ways of testing if somebody was a witch were I'm not sure or I think yeah. I do know that it did it did have bonkers uh witch detection methods yeah. and and witch uh, uh extermination methods Yeah we'll try I, this and if you're a witch you'll get away with it and if not then God you'll die will deal with it. but you'll be with God yeah. after you die so it's yeah. fine um but I don't know I like I, what I don't know is is how much of what we attribute to witch trials and things comes from people following this book, right? Or following whatever the Inquisition was doing. Yeah, and I, a lot of it might have been like sort of Christianization of like other folk beliefs that sort of like evolved in regional areas over time. I don't know. I, I'm not I sure. Like I don't. I don't, like I, I don't know anything about this. I'm 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 guessing that like some of these things right. were sort of like evolutions of things that have like over time yeah because uh the the church would at least the people doing these witch trials were pretty much doing whatever they could to get their prosecution yeah right yeah so i think when if somebody came to them and was like hey while you're here i've got this like frog or this rabbit that i'm pretty sure is a witch (laughs) because i found him in my cupboard and he smells real bad (laughs) and then as an inquisitor you're like I'm going to turn this into a conviction somehow. Yeah. So you go and you, you probably play with whatever, cause you have the authority. So you just play with yeah. whatever th- narrative making up you want to twist whatever is in like the f- twist, the fears of people yeah. into s- 
saying that it is a witch. So yeah, you probably do yeah. use existing narratives and things like yeah. that. Maybe the uh, 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 the the Inquisitors had monthly quotas of witch arrests <laughs> that they had to fill up. I I don't remember like uh, I yeah like I don't want to I don't want to speak too much out of my yeah. own zone of real knowledge yeah. with regards to the Inquisition. Um, because I think it's pretty well recorded in some instances. I yeah. do know that some of the most, some of the worst of it was like done by like, like one guy in particular. Yeah. Or like one or two guys in particular, even yeah. though like witch burnings have been going on forever, still happen now. Yeah. But, uh, the worst of like what we call the, like the witch trials and the inquisition, yeah. the inquisition was like headed by one guy in particular yeah. who was ruthless about it. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I don't know where what how their playbook differed from this one, in particular. Um, but what I do know, something else that I I found was that um, during the 1970s, um, the 1970s feminist movement was getting their hands on this stuff and looking back at like the witch trials and and using it as yeah. fuel for their fire. Um, they mostly got their hands on this book the right. hammer of witches so the popular image of witchcraft or the at least the witch trials and what was done to to people most like a lot of it comes from this book wow whoa and like from the book's author's point of view this is like yeah this is the way it should be and this is what and then looking back and it was like no this this is all the like this is this guy the yeah, happening. The, yeah the church like like threw him out because yeah. they didn't like his ideas, which yeah. I'm, sh- I'm not, I'm not saying that he was any like weirder or crazier than what the church was doing. It's just that he disagreed with them on, on points of dogma. Yeah. So I'm sure whatever the inquisition was, whatever their playbook looked like was equally as, <laughs> it probably wasn't nuts. like, no, you seem like kind of a misogynist. So like, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, they, weren't, they weren't like woke, uh, yeah. inquisitors. Yeah. Uh, but they were, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's 1402 dude yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wake, yeah Wake up. uh uh yeah but it's interesting like um it's funny how this book was completely made up by this guy yeah heinrich kramer mm-hmm. but because he was thrown up by the church actually made it more widespread yeah because that, that then he was like an author of note he was, like, he was an hey, author of note yeah. spread around like once a couple courts yeah. got a hold of his book then it was like well who how are we going to get books on how to handle witchcraft when we don't necessarily want to talk to the catholic to the, like the actual church and yeah. like get an like we don't want their people here yeah so what do we do we get this book and we say that we're like in accordance with god yeah because it's, that's what it says yeah. in the book. Yeah, oh. <laughs> look, other, it's right here in the book. Yeah, exactly. It and says other, right here that all of this and is other true. courts were using it. So it was like <laughs> other people like this seems to be the thing to do. So they're using it, right. and because it was translated mm-hmm. into different languages, and that's because it wasn't one. controlled by the church, it was available yeah. to people in the 1970s. Yeah, because that's that's why people were people in universities were using it. Yeah, to dig up their like feminist histories totally yeah because it was because it was in all these court systems all these court systems, especially and, in the states yeah and even back then i imagine like once you set a legal precedent for something that's just the way it is yeah right so it just took one court really using Probably, this book yeah. to convict i mean somebody. like i like please everyone in the world correct us if we're wrong but like this is fascinating yeah <laughs> totally actually if what i'm reading because the thing is i don't like i read this 
but I haven't done like months of research or anything. I could be wrong with the details, but that's crazy. That's fucking bonkers. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It seems like the head of an inquisition is a position that a Cambian would want. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, man, reverse inquisition? Reverse inquisition. Well, even, but that? they the can answering? also alter the self. Answering. Right? Oh, the answering. <laughs> Whoa, the answering. And they just go around, like, <laughs> making sure that people make pact with devils. Like, yeah. Yeah. Enforcing pacts. Enforcing devil law. Yeah. Or, or it's like Jeopardy, where they ask you, you have to provide the answer to a question or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Wes and I now just stare at the book coming up with <laughs> ideas. Um... Yeah, what we're we're at about like an hour seven right now. Okay, so is there? Um, do, we, do we have more? There are a couple stuff, things right? I wanted yeah. to uh, to draw out into the discussion. Um, just other archetypes, characters that have a similar archetype as the Cambion. Oh yeah. So what we're dealing with, and these are all kind of more. Maybe we'll get a, a sense of it after we look at all the ones I've kind of dug up here. Okay. So we have. Caliban. Okay. Caliban is from The Tempest. Yeah. Um, I've never read it or seen it, but I've seen a couple of Tempest movies. Uh, Caliban is a, a half-man, half-monster stuck on an island. Yeah. And he is... Um, he's kind of up and down. Like, he's, he's definitely, um, like... He, you're, you're sympathetic to him, but then he also at one point is like, um, there's a story told about how he almost raped um, the the person who owns the island, who like who master master of the island, Prospero, um, his daughter Miranda. I think there's a story where or Prospero is like, yeah, this this guy Caliban, this monster guy who lives on the island, he almost raped Miranda. And Caliban is like, yes, and I would have got away with it, too, if it hadn't been for your meddling magic or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, oh, shit. He's actually like, he's kind of like a, he gets kicked around a lot, but like he kind of deserves it. I yeah, guess. totally. Um, <laughs> so he's a creature that like he he contends with his dual nature and you don't know whether to sympathize with him or to actually hate him. Yeah. Um, and I think there's more to it than that, but that's kind of the gist that I understand. And then there's also a lot of um, uh, newer narratives of the Tempest that want to paint him as a, um, p- like show him in a post-colonial light. Right. And make him to be like a, the monstrosized other. So he's like a black man living right. on this Island. Yeah. And he's treated like a monster, like a half human, even though he's like yeah. actually human. But then because of probably this bad faith thing, yeah. he believes himself to be a monster. So yeah. when he's accused of raping or wanting to rape Miranda, he's like, yeah, and I would have done it yeah. because that's what I am to you people. Mm-hmm. Cause um, it really fucks you up when people keep telling you that you're a monster. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think that's kind of what he became was like, yeah. Um he could be something else but because he is what he is, people keep telling him what he is. Yeah. He fights with it a lot. Yeah. So one can imagine what a small child with a uh, red bat wings and horns and a tail <laughs> what what he can grow up with. into, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um there's Inuasha who is a half. <laughs> I've never I've never seen it. I know it's super popular though yeah. or it was anyways. Um 
from the manga series and anime series of, of the same name. Yeah. He's a half human, half uh, yokai, which is like a type of demon. Uh, actually, I thought I knew something about him, but I don't. But the important thing is that he's super popular because I think half demon, half human people are very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel from Buffy, although oh, not, yeah. he wasn't like half demon or half vampire by birth, but he was yeah. a vampire who was contending with his vampire nature. Yeah. And in that show, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the vampires are like half the time have their normal face and half the time have like their vampire face. Yeah. Their monster face. Yeah. Um, so even though it's not like a werewolf thing where like they're themselves half the time and then the rest of the time turn to this monster, it's yeah. kind of like more they can kind of change at will. Mm-hmm. But Angel fought with his own nature, um, which made him a tragic hero. Yeah. And sometimes a tragic villain. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good Cambian thing as well as to have someone yeah. who's like maybe some like sometimes on your side and sometimes not yeah uh he's a good uh i think he's kind of like a the cambion is sort of a if you wanted to you could play it as a kind of romantic figure who's like the thing about angel was that he was so powerful and angry and yeah. mean and it was like um uh, it's a twilight thing yeah right totally people are uh like young young people I was going to say young women, but like everyone, I yeah. think young people are attracted to like things of, of dangerous power. Oh yeah. Totally. Older men and older, like, uh, uh, more extreme things than they are. Yeah. And, uh, it's hot when they can't decide if they want to kill you or kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one way. That's the angel way. Yeah. There's also uh Baraka from mortal Kombat. Oh yeah. Cool. <laughs> Who was a uh, uh, the member of the lowly outworld race called the Nomads, known for unpredictable behavior and possessing a frequent violent streak? Uh, it was later revealed that these Nomads were um, descended from half demon, half outworlder. So like yeah. like people, they're half demons, mm-hmm. um, and they're just like fierce warriors, but they like are carnal and, and physical. Yeah. I think that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I think I think a, a very Cambian esque um character in in, in, in in pop culture that you could model a Cambian character after mm-hmm. is Griffith slash Femto from Berserk. Oh yes. Right? Leader, charismatic leader, beloved by everybody, has beautiful, beautiful flowing hair. Yeah. Is just like this kind of like strange person that everyone's attracted to. Um it just follows and then um, as soon as is given the opportunity for like exponentially more power, boom, turns on everybody. Yeah. Right? That's a very Cambian move, I think. Yeah. To yeah. be uh, to be adored by everyone, but for it to be yeah. not enough because you have like, there's a chip on your shoulder yeah. still that you can't get over. There's something you yeah. can't get over even though you've got it all. Yeah. There's like, there's, there's, yeah, you, there's like somehow your destiny is beyond everything that you can see. Yeah. yeah. Destiny yeah. is beyond everything you can see. Yeah. Um. Being willing to throw it all away yeah. to get more because you you can't be satisfied with what you have. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, a Cambian thing, I think. Yeah, as well. wanting to like transcend the world around you at the expense of the world around you. Yeah, yeah. No matter what you've gained already, yeah. what yeah. you have. 
that's a good villainous thing. Yeah. There's a Marcel Marceline Marceline from Adventure Time. Oh, Marceline the Vampire Marceline Queen. Marceline the Vampire Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh her her mother I think was a human and her dad was a vampire. Uh yeah, well her dad is a, a, demon? a demon. He from the Nidosphere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what his name is, but he's basically he's basically the devil and he's kind of a super vampire cuz right. he just like inhales yeah people's essences okay i've never yeah. i've never seen that episode it's good it's good um but i do know marceline uh she's a good version of a cambion as well yeah. because she's um although she's like she's kind of like a devil may care type of character i think yeah. right like she's in the first episode she appears and she's more powerful than jake and finn and she yeah. kind of like kicks them out of her place or something yeah. but she's also like kind of like there's no, there's a you're attracted to her you're like kind of want her to win she's yeah. very charismatic yeah um even though she's the villain in that part yeah and she's she's a good like anti-hero anti-villain sort of like i mean she's definitely like one of the good good guys in the show but there's a there's a this whole thing where like she's super powerful and she seems really aloof but like this is kind of like deep down there's a humanizing sort of aspect yeah sort of there. the it's dual like nature kind of a, a a bit of a performance so yeah yeah she has a she has a dual nature that yeah. she contends with totally um and that's a good like way of doing it on a less uh like uh like adventure time is fun yeah adventure time is fun uh baraka it just stabs you all the time <laughs> uh yeah and uh vampire hunter d vampire oh, yeah. hunter d he's a dampier which i thought was just a made-up thing from the the anime mm-hmm. dampier is a real thing from slovenia i think oh it is uh it's just like in the in the in vampire hunter d story it's a yeah. it's a person descended from the union of a, of a human and a vampire and vampire hunter d the guy d is kind of a, a kind of a cambion as well yeah he's not he doesn't lead other people he doesn't fight for power but he is very um he's very careful to keep his evil nature in check and he struggles to keep it in check because he could easily especially in the first one i think he like is protecting a young woman and he almost succumbs to biting her himself and it's all very sexy but he keeps it to himself keeps it in his pants yeah (laughs) and uh yeah I have a question. I have a Cambian question. Yes, Wes. Um, what is the difference between a Cambian and a Tiefling? So a Cambian yeah. is the direct offspring of a fiend and a human being. Right. A Tiefling is a whole race. Yeah. Of So two Tieflings have a Tiefling baby. Okay, yeah. And they go back to a uh, a pact made by a certain civilization of human beings yeah. made a pact... Like as a as a civilization, yeah, made a pact with uh, a demon lord, and got a bunch of power Sweet. for something. Okay, but in return, they themselves became tainted with uh, infernal magic. So now their whole race, their whole civilization, now has like big got ass horns, it. okay, and a tail, Sweet. and uh, a little bit of magic yeah. blood flowing through them. Yeah, awesome. Um, and and then that civilization inevitably crumbled under the weight of its own uh, corruption. And now they float around the multiverse. Yeah. And now and now they're they're yeah. dispersed and yeah. they live everywhere. Yeah. But there's there are recognizable people, um, and 
uh, so Cambians can be from demons as well. Yeah. Um, but tieflings not. Tieflings are strictly uh, devils. Okay. Descended or like made pact with devils in the past. Got it. Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. That clears yeah. that up really neatly. <laughs> awesome. And that is the difference. Um, yeah, there are lots of like side cases in D and D of like there's like dragonborn, but later as a as a playable race, but yeah. then later in this book there's like half dragon, which yeah. looks exactly the same. <laughs> They're like the same thing. And yeah, and there's lizard people, like mm-hmm. same. Yeah, everything. it's all the same thing. How do you do like a million variations on the same thing? But we're to that because we have to. Yeah, we will. <laughs> that does it for me. Yeah, I think I'm good. Um, what's next? Carrion crawler. The carrion crawler. All right. <laughs> well, that'll have to that little tag will have to <laughs> keep you sated until the next show. Uh, All right, goodbye. that's it. That's it for today. Yeah. And until next time, mash those monsters. Oh, let's plug the email. Did we plug the email? Oh yeah, we should do these things. Yeah. yeah. So email us. Monster Manual Mash at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, questions, concerns, uh, threats, whatever yeah. you want to send us. And so we have an Instagram, Monster Manual Mash, which I am terrible at, at, at fixing and putting things up. Um, but we're going to get there. This is all learning experience. Yeah. Is what I'll say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need a solution. I need to be able to put Instagram... To use Instagram on my laptop. I haven't been able to figure out. I've installed several different programs that say they can do it, and it doesn't upload images correctly. Ah, oh, man. Or I, yeah. I can upload a single image fine, but I can't do a whole reel. Can't they, do if I do yeah. one, it turns up fine. If I do multiple, they're just black, just black screens. I don't are understand you, it. Are you listening, Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> People Instagram. That, are, that are trying to figure out. Are you listening? Yeah. This is Instagram. Yeah, this is directed at you. We got someone's not doing. Or maybe their Brian, job. you can help me. <laughs> You're you like computers? Yep. Oh, and by uh, by next episode, I will have somewhere to direct you to if you are interested in grabbing the theme music that's at the beginning of uh, the show. If you want that by itself for whatever reason, nice. Oh, it'll be somewhere, and I'll tell you where next episode. Okay, Monster Mesh. Uh oh. <laughs>